First, you must realize that you have no idea before you can know the idea. We scan across all the frequencies if we want to learn anything new. Let us begin. What has physics done for me lately? Furthermore, the equation E is equal we have now acquired a fateful power to alter and to destroy nature. That's like when you're in physics and you get a dream about saying, oh, this is a physics excursion. What is it all about? The whole of human history all falls in the dust of one stroke of the nail file. You can't really get to grips with evolution unless you realize uh, what an enormous amount of time. Our own planet is only a tiny part of the vast cosmic tapestry, a starry fabric of worlds yet untold. You're tuning into what can only be described as the best radio station on this blue dot we call Earth. It is, of course, 4ZZZ. Be it on your conventional wireless radio by tuning into the classic frequency of 102.1 FM, digital devices such as DAB or smart speaker, listening via the Community Radio Plus app or streaming us live from our sensational website at 4ZZZ.org.au. And of course, you can always listen back to us or any other 4ZZZ show for that matter using the ingenious on-demand feature also found at that URL. We also now have a weekly podcast of the show for your listening pleasure, a condensed version of the show without the music, which my mum prefers. Just search for our show name, which is, of course... No idea, spelt with a K, your weekly dose of science. And joining me today to commu- uh, to speak about all things science is only one of my favourite science communicators. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Jay. How are you going? Good morning, Max. I'm doing well. It's just you and me today. Woo-hoo. It is. <laughs> For those unfamiliar with the show, we generally start with um, some weird science. You got some weird science this morning, Jay? I do have some weird science this morning. It's a miracle. Yeah. And then we move on to the marine science from our friendly neighbourhood marine scientist, Master Peter. And then some of my favourite science, of course, motor racing. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Basically, any science this week that has piqued our interest, we will talk about. And rounding out the show, there will be some space news. Are you ready? Let's do it. I am ready. Let's do it. You want me to kick us off? Let's do it. A new study by the researchers from University of Iowa. Curious ranking? Oh, God. 342. Yeah, good enough. 491. Yep. Shows how the human brain only takes a second, one second or a thousand milliseconds to distinguish between an outcome caused by human error and one in which the person was not directly to blame. The researchers also found in cases of human error, the brain takes some additional time to basically catalogue the error and inform the rest of the body to avoid it happening again. The Iowa researchers learned about the brain's ability to separate perceived human error from a non-self-inflicted error by asking 76 young adults to look at a cluster of arrows and choose the correct direction one specific arrow was pointing. Nearly every time the subjects responded, almost always correctly, considering how trivial the task was to complete, a triangle would appear on the screen. But every now and again, they, they changed it up a bit and, and showed another symbol, even though they were still correct, such as an anchor, frog, helicopter, cat, etc. And then 
to elicit, uh, and this was to elicit a surprise response. And more importantly, even when the subject responded correctly, the researchers measured response times at three different intervals, 350 milliseconds, 1700 milliseconds, and three seconds. The researchers discovered that the brain can distinguish between the standard outcome the triangle, and the surprise outcome, a different symbol, after only one second. But if they have actually made a mistake, a human error, if you will, the brain remains active for an additional two to three seconds, indicating that the brain realises a mistake has been made and wants to learn from it. It should be noted before the study there was conjecture as to whether the brain's reaction to an outcome was the same regardless of whether the cause was human error or not. By using a scalp EEG, I can't actually say the words, I'm saying it. To measure electrical activity in the brain, the team recorded ongoing neural activity that was unique to instances when human error occurred, thereby confirming that while both errors and unexpected outcomes of correct actions led to comparable neural activity early on, only human errors show reliably sustained brain activity for more than a second after the response. If you wish to learn more about the study, it is titled Early Action Error Processing is Due to Domain General Surprise While Later Progressing in Error Specific. <laughs> Published online in Neurosci, a journal of the Society of Neuroscience. Honestly, that makes sense to me when I think about it because, I don't know, I feel like, you know, when you make a mistake and then, like, you realise, like, so quickly afterwards mm. and you have that second of being like, damn it, like, I know I've done that <laughs> wrong. Right. Yeah, so I feel like I, mm. I can, like... Relate to it. Yeah, mm. I can physically recall the yes. feeling of that exact thing that That's they're talking right. about, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> phys- yeah, yeah, true. What do you got for us, Jay? Well, I have drama. You have drama? I have a bit of drama from the science world this week. Mm. Earlier this year... A physicist made a bold claim that he'd been able to create a superconductor that could run at room temperature. I'm not sure if we talked about it on this show. Mm. I remember reading it, mm. but I don't know if we talked about oh, it Oh, yes, show. that's right. Yeah, and everyone's stepping away from that yeah. finding now. Yeah. Yes. So the practical use of most superconductors is limited by the fact that you have to cool them to super low temperatures yeah. or squeeze them to extremely high pressures to make them work. So a room temperature like normal conditions running superconductor is massive for the physics yeah, world so it's right. a really big finding and a lot of people were kind of suspicious <laughs> of it because they were like this just seems yeah. impossible essentially well as of the 7th of november the paper's been retracted from yes. the journal nature and that's because eight of the paper's 11 co-authors wrote to the journal and requested the retraction they said that the published paper essentially lied about where the materials were sourced from how the experiment was done and the way the data was processed and outside researchers had also raised questions about the reliability of the data and the likelihood of the claim so the lead researcher uh, Renga Diaz sent a statement to Science News refuting all claims of research misconduct and reiterating that all conclusions in the paper were true, according to him. But it doesn't look great for him. Um, an earlier claim of a room temperature superconductor by him and his colleagues was retracted from Nature in September last year. And <laughs> another one of his papers on a different topic so he's got was form. retracted in <laughs> August. <laughs> So there's a pattern, basically, (laughs) and um, scientists are starting to say it's a bit less like an accident and a bit more like a problem. (laughs) 
Um, the scientist who got DS's paper retracted last year said that there's a wider issue of a lack of data availability in the field. He says that he tried to contact DS and um, say that there's an obligation for researchers to release their underlying data and share it with each other so that other people can verify it. They basically didn't pay attention or like respond or say anything to him. Yeah. <laughs> Although... At least one researcher believes that the result could still be real. Um, Science News interviewed materials chemist Russell Hemley, who was previously part of a team that discovered a high-temperature superconductor, and he was one of the few scientists uh, to claim a confirmation of DS's results using a sample created in collaboration with his group. So he reckons he's done it as well. So there's at least one guy in his corner saying no <laughs> these conclusions are true okay um so what he, do you think well well uh, yes highly unlikely if it's well yeah well hopefully they can replicate the results a couple times mm. i don't know i did look i did ib biology right and they were talking in our assignments all the time about like if you fake any of that data yeah. everyone's gonna know but i tell <laughs> you what there was not one person in any of those classes <laughs> who didn't at least <laughs> yeah. do the digit skew it. Yeah, you know skew what it i mean yeah um and i feel like i don't know science is so hard and data is so unreliable yeah. i guess i don't know hopefully the the conclusion gets uh, recreated a couple of times and we can see that it's true. But in the meantime, his work is under scrutiny by his universities. Uh, the University of Rochester mm. is looking into... Red flags everywhere. Yeah. Cool. There we go. What is the independent variable that makes no idea tick? That's what I mm. want to know. The show is No Idea with me, Max, Jay. Good morning, Izzy. Good morning. Another one of my favourite science communicators do you want to do a weird science you know it let's do it part two of this well i don't know if this is so much as weird but i think it's an interesting thing um if you ever did psychology Mm -hmm. uh, whether that be in high school or university i think we've all know about you know that marketing technique supermarkets use where they put all the high sugary cereals and stuff like that at the kids eye level because it makes them more likely to grab that and pop Mm. it in the in the parents cart um well this is new research (laughs) coming out from the i don't know how i think that's pretty true i think if i remember (laughs) it was taught in the same unit as like Mm. pavlov's dog and stuff like that but um this is from the george institute for global health that did a comprehensive analysis of um the marketing of food sold in australia supermarkets Mm. and how unrelated uh, how unregulated and widespread the promotional techniques used um are appealing to kids so using things like cartoon characters um bright colors and marketing ploys such as that um is really common for unhealthy and ultra processed foods associated with overweight and obesity um the practice um also this analysis um paralleled it with the countries like mexico which have implemented stricter food marketing as well so this was really interesting and kind of scary i'll be honest they did a uh, um analysis of 1156 instances of child directed on pack promotion um with a majority about 81 percent being classified as ultra processed food only 61 percent of the products that they an- analyzed would be eligible to be marked marketed to children under the um, World Health Organization model, and only 4.5% percent 
if the Mexican criteria um, was applied. So a total of 95.5% would have been removed in order to meet that eligibility. Um, child-directed techniques are the most common on infant and young children food with 315 instances followed by confectionery, snack foods and dairy products. Uh, 15 major manufacturers produced two-thirds of the surveyed products which featured child-directed promotions on pack. So this really triggered a whole conversation about implementing a healthy kids advertising bill. Mm. So changing the way that Australia advertises these types of foods to children and some of the um, regulations that the George Institute has put towards the Australian government includes regulations on the limit of the use of um, child-directed promotional techniques, introducing regulations to restrict unhealthy food marketing, including ensuring television, radio and cinema are free from unhealthy food marketing from 6am till 9.30pm and introducing regulations restricting online marketing, including social media. So this was really, really interesting. And I think it's really, it's look, Australia never fares well when it's compared to some other countries. This was a really stark reminder that like, it's sometimes it's getting a bit out of hand. I don't know if you guys remember when the star food, like rating system came yeah, into play because yeah. it used to just be like the five little um things star. i remember reading them as a kid i'm like mm. what the, what is this and then mm. you see the star system you're like oh my god no <laughs> i remember comparing like food on the playground being yeah. like it's so interesting yeah exactly. um but this will be really interesting if this is, is it, put isn't into it also government? like some of the lunchtime l- lunch ground um lunchtime food that the kids have at school yeah. is uh, could be consistent with uh, parents being being a bit time poor as well. Yeah, so they so haven't got time to actually make it. It's good finding like a good balance mm. between like that oh, those proper longer term mm. like more filling foods versus like stuff that is a lot more convenient. But tuck shop was always the best. Oh, tuck shop was always <laughs> the best. <laughs> that <laughs> no, keep your regulations out of my tuck shop. <laughs> yeah, right. Goodness me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, you should be worried, Max, because if we if we get a robot that just sits there and laughs. You're basically obsolete. <laughs> <laughs> you tuned into Four Triple Z, and the show is No Idea, your weekly dose of science with me, Max, Izzy, and Jay. And we think it's time to hear a rebroadcast of one of Peter's story. Wow. Unfortunately, Peter and Gabe couldn't be with us. I think they're down in Geelong, aren't they? Attending a wedding or something like that. Something Ooh. boring like that. Yeah, very dull. They look pretty good, the photo I saw. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to hear Peter's talking about some sea life that attaches to rocks and how do they do it? Let's find out from our friendly neighbourhood marine scientist. It might be a lovely day today, but I, your friendly neighbourhood marine scientist, am going to tell you about something foul. Well, I actually think it's pretty cool, but it's called biofouling. Because of the nature of water, a lot of animals in the ocean are sessile, which means that they settle and attach to rocks, sand, coral, or any bit of habitat they can find, really. Usually this is done by animals like oysters, sponges, and barnacles, who rely on the ocean to bring them food in the way of small floating particles. Filter feeders. But it can also be corals and algae that need to stay in areas of high sunlight or any other environmental niche. These animals usually also have hard outer shells or structures as a form of protection from predators as, you know, They can't run away. And given that these little critters have to be able to hold on in what can be incredibly strong waves and storms, they develop ways of really, really sticking to their spot. But although this sounds like a very specific job, there is a wide variety of organisms that have a wide variety of attachment methods all around the world. And while that's super cool and interesting from an ecosystem level, these sticky sessile friends aren't always super well liked because 
they can miss. For the most part, these things really just look for good conditions and then attach. Even if that thing that they attach to turns out to be floating and moving, like seaweed or boats. The accumulation of these organisms on boats and other immersed surfaces is known as biofouling, and marine workers absolutely hate it. Not only is it thought to be aesthetically unappealing, but the fouling increases the roughness of a surface, which in turn increases the drag of the object through the water. Take for example the hull of a boat. Usually slippery and smooth, a boat is able to glide in and across the water. But when covered in barnacles, mussels and algae, the boat just can't move in the same way. The added drag of the crusty shells and whatnot can slow the boat down considerably. And this is especially true for much larger ships, like shipping container ships. These ships can spend a lot of energy compensating for the loss of speed caused by these little sessile creatures. But it's not just efficiency that oceangoers are worried about. Biofouling represents a huge biosecurity risk. Back in the good old days, when little critters in, say, Portugal would attach to something, it would be a rock or the seafloor, and it wasn't that likely to move. The risk of that little critter, you know, attaching to seaweed and moving somewhere and dominating and changing an ecosystem was pretty tiny and a natural part of the global system. But now, more and more critters are attaching themselves to boats. Boats that move all around the world, where these guys are now able to reproduce. Basically what we've done is massively increase the likelihood of invasive species. So it is ecologically important that we control biofouling. But the methods which we do it can do more harm than good. Currently the most common anti-biofouling method is to paint copper-based paints onto hulls. As a heavy metal, copper is extremely toxic to most biota, and so things don't settle or live on the boats. But Copper also leaches into the surrounding waters and sinks down into the sea floor, and it doesn't degrade. The level of copper can grow and grow, and it's common for areas with marinas, ports or shipyards to massively exceed safe levels of heavy metals. And it doesn't just affect settlements on boats, it affects everywhere. These toxic paints are a known issue. In areas like the Baltic Sea, as much as 40% of their heavy metals are coming directly from copper-based anti-fouling paints. The good news is that environmental paints are available. In fact, new research by the Chalmers University of Technology has proven that silicon-based paints are actually more effective than copper-based paints. The study tested various versions of different anti-fouling paints and found that over a period of 12 months, the silicon-based paint performed significantly better than the copper, but also, past the official study period, continued to work for over two years. There's just one problem. Sailors are traditional folk. They like what has worked in the past and they'll continue to work with it. And because of this, eco-paints are very slow to take off in the market. Which is why research proving their efficiency is just so important. Because we need these little critters on the seafloor and not on boats. You tuned into 4ZZZ and this show is No Idea with me, Max, Jay, Izzy, I was going to say go. No gay. Again. No, no Peter. Again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the, uh, mm. We should talk about subscribing to the radio station because we love s- people who subscribe to the radio station. Woo-hoo. You get to yeah. subscribe. You get to talk to us if you want to ring us up. We know you by name. It's all very good. You can subscribe for as little as $20. Subscribe your pet. We're not going to check, okay? You can just pay your $20, okay? It doesn't right. matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> your peach's name pops up on your uh, your text line, might I add. Yeah, so we'll say right. shout out to your exactly. dog as well. You can, um, yeah. yeah, you can go for a full subscription for seventy dollars, <laughs> or you can go passionate, five hundred dollars, like Bones. Passionate's one hundred and thirty. 
Well, yeah, super but, uh, sub. Super sub is 500. Join the leagues of Bones. I'm getting it all wrong. And you get your name downstairs, apparently. Join the leagues of Stephen Bates, Liz Witt, and Bones downstairs. Cool, cool. Get into it. Get some sub discount outlets as well. And how do you subscribe? Dude, 4ZZZ.org.au forward slash support. It's that easy. Or you can ring someone downstairs on 073252. One triple five. Pick yourself up some nice sweet merch as well. Exactly. Show some Zed love. Yeah. Um, yeah, and most importantly, get that warm inner glow. Mm. I think the last time I was in this station, I spent ninety dollars on shirts, and I <laughs> did now, not regret it. We've all got matching good. four triple yeah. Z shirts, yeah. so <laughs> get with it. That's right. And when Gabe came up from Sydney, he is yeah. getting the merch, wasn't he? Got yeah. merch as well. Yeah. Well, well it's just so good. Mm. Like, I've had my eye on so He should have worn it to the wedding, I reckon. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you could pull up with a 4ZZZ tote bag, 4ZZZ yeah, shirt. We've got earrings, we've got stickers, we've got all sorts of shenanigans. Really? So, yeah. add to cart, look yeah. away, punch in your details, <laughs> and then there you go. <laughs> what were you going to say, Jay? Sorry, catch you off. Oh, I just, like, I I'm seriously, every time I go downstairs, mm. I, like, stare at them all and <laughs> Like, yeah. no, not this week. <laughs> <laughs> not again. Do I get paid this week? And yeah. hey, Christmas is coming up. So oh, that's that time go. of year nice. where big, big commercial yeah. wants your money. Nah, mm. give it to community radio. Yeah. Get yourself. we got household packs. So easy. That's the whole mm. family done. And your roommate's done. If, easy. If this segment's not in the next week's newsletter. No, no, I'll be angry. <laughs> I'll be angry. The, this is the best sub plug. We do it out of the love of our hearts and also for external validation. Yes. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Do you know what side eye means? Bombastic uh, side eye. Very familiar <laughs> with side eye, Max. <laughs> you tuned to Four Triple Z, and the show is No Idea with me, Max, Jay, and Izzy in brackets, Gabe. And <laughs> Jay said he wanted to do his story next, and I said that's not in the ghost book because it's time for this. Okay, it's time for the best part of the show. Loosely defined as science, yeah, you already know. Everybody listens to 4ZZZ just to hear us talking about what Butters just did. Subscriptions just keep rolling like the tires on a car. But something tells me that our science careers won't go far. But unlike an engine, I won't keep you in suspension. We're all here to hear him talk, so let's give him attention. You're not ready for when he starts rapping. Gonna hand the mic to Max, and I'm not talking bandstanding. It's lights out, and away we go! Remember, I've had a fascination with racing, and I'm going to share a story that barely seems believable. Jensen Button crosses the line, takes the checkered flag. How do you feel? <laughs> it's really amazing. Only one team in their debut race in the history of the sport have been able to get pole position and then go on to win. This is the story of Braun GP. I'm sorry. All I can think about is that monologue from Cars. Yeah. I am speed. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Anyway, that's about Ross Braun's team, uh, Mm -hmm. the impossible F1 story, or as it's being uh, flagged now as Drive to Survive for Grown Ups. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a four-part doco. It gets released tonight. Uh, It's about when Honda pulled out of F1 in 2008 due to the global financial crisis and instead of liquidating the team they agreed to sell it as a going concern to Ross Braun for one pound. Honda also invested another 97 million dollars which they set aside to wind down the company. There was only enough money to build three cars and a title winning car was the same chassis for the entire season. The driver was of course Jensen Button 
and he's been praised at how well he looks after his machinery. The use of Honda power units was non-negotiable, meant that Mercedes had to supply the power unit. It came as no surprise when Braun GP was subsequently bought by Mercedes the following year. And by 2014, Mercedes GP had a race-winning car, didn't they? And they continued that on for another seven years. So Keanu Reeves' series, as I said, gets released tonight on Disney+. Plus. Check it out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be looking for that. All right. Now, we talk about EA games. Mm. Do you play the F1 game at all? <laughs> F1 23 game? I, I don't. I'm I do. Sorry. Oh, it's it's interesting. My brother is a big... He's 12, so like yeah. a little bit of grain of salt. But he's telling me about his $800 million deal in the game. I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> How's your homework, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you want to experience it, mm-hmm. like Izzy's brother, it's free this weekend to play because Ooh. of the Las Vegas GP. Yeah. So EA is, oh, it's ag. There you go. Hello, ag. Yeah. Um, so EA wants us also to join Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, and Daniel Ricciardo on their journey ahead of the 2023 Las Vegas Grand Prix. Now, Daniel's video has dropped and also... Leclerc's video dropped this morning yeah. as well. So that was a bit of fun. It's just them sort of going around the circuit in the simulator using the EA F123 video game. Daniel managed to get it on P3, position 3 on the grid, so that was pretty good. Now, Ferrari will feature some golden age livery for this weekend's race. Last time Ferrari raced in Las Vegas was back in 1982. Last time anyone raced back in Las Vegas was 1982. And they went on to win the Constructors' Championships for that year. So it's basically a bit more white on the front and rear spoilers of the car. The driver's red racing suits also feature some white instead of yellow. Now the new F1 circuit in Las Vegas runs anti-clockwise and uses Mm. the famous casino strip as a main straight. The 16-turn street circuit is 6.12 kilometres long. Saturday's feature race at Sunday our time mm-hmm. uh, will be over fifty. It'll be fifty laps. So yeah, very cool. Now, did you hear about the F one wedding chapel? What? Yeah, we're in Las <laughs> Vegas. Remember? Oh yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. So within the precinct of the race circuit, oh my God. there is a wedding chapel. Oh so <laughs> if you want to get hitched during the Las Vegas F one. <laughs> <laughs> and you're attending the event, feel free. How cool will the wedding photos be? There's going to be a heap of wedding photos coming out of that. Jesus. <laughs> now, GM, General Motors, have signed up to be the seventh power unit supplier for F1. They hope to join the grid by 2028 using the Cadillac branding. No excuses not to watch the race. I mean, you've got to have Foxtel or KO Plus or whatever it's called. Well, but that's an excuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just say you got that. Or you go to a pub where they got... Yeah. Or they do have it, yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. So, because you're in luck. Queensland Times, Friday practice one. Friday uh, is 2.30 p.m. Free practice two is 6 p.m. at night or in the evening. Th- free practice three is on the Saturday at 2.30 p.m. Quali is at 6 p.m. Saturday. And then the race on Sunday, our time, 
at 4 p.m. It doesn't get this better than that. This is making my heart it's made for I us. love not waking yeah, up at 2 a.m. Yeah, to watch. <laughs> and it's poor because mm. what is it at? Because you like, only watch the highlights generally. I do you? watch it yeah. because mm. sometimes you just can't get yeah, up. Exactly. But yeah. when the race is at 10 p.m. Mm. at Las Vegas time, yeah. so poor New Yorkers have to get up at 1 a.m. <laughs> um, gets stuffed. So yeah. can't wait to kick back and watch that at a normal person time. Now, I did have some other Valtteri Bottas news. But I read this morning he's released a cal- calendar. <laughs> a calendar? Of all his nude rear Are you shots. Serious? Correct. Jay, this is wow. Max's Christmas yeah. present done. Yeah. This is happening right $35 now. This is happening. AU. Have you already bought it? No, no I thought I'd buy it. If anyone is if anyone is generous enough to send yeah. a Valtteri Bottas uh, calendar to four triple Z at Barry Parade. That's right. Right for Max. <laughs> And we won't talk about Roman Grosjean this week, will we? No. Oh, pray tell. What is it? I live for the Roman Grosjean. <laughs> <laughs> what did he tweet? Oh, 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 I'm assuming he's going to be attending the Las Vegas race. That's all I've got. Oh. Anyway, I'll keep you posted for next week about that. Lovely. Everyone <laughs> at the station knows uh, which show's the most appreciated. Uncancelable. So yeah. Uncancelable. That's what I love to say about us. <laughs> <laughs> everything we do, everything we say, everything we've ever put online, uncancelable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Max has apparently turned into a robot. Shows no idea. With me, Max, Jay, Izzy. <laughs> and not Gabe. <laughs> not Gabe, not Peter this week. They're off at a wedding. That's right. Boom. Jay, you want to uh, do your story. Now the non-negotiable period's up. You can now do it. <laughs> yes. Although I will add one more thing onto the, the motorsport, which is that yeah. we did in that break buy the yeah. bot ass, which is it's... It's literally written as bot and then ass. ass. I, think <laughs> you're, I think you're gliding over the big topic. That was the first image that you see is just like full back. <laughs> just, yeah. just ass. The whole yeah, thing. Yeah. If, Nothing if but the best. If you know someone who is an yeah. ass person, yeah. then buy a, a lovely Valtteri bot ass calendar. Anyway, so that's, that's enough promo. Christmas present. <laughs> yeah, that's enough. We know that he brought that up for a reason. <laughs> yeah, it was so obvious. <laughs> it was so <laughs> obvious. But there we go. All right. It's just so you guys can run late in the future, isn't it? Like like you sort of buy. Oh yeah, buying yeah. Your we just bought ourselves an 11 a.m. <laughs> arrival. Sorry, yeah. but Joe, yeah. pray tell. All right. A lot of the time, when we think about discovering new species, we're imagining scientists out there in the wild, searching through trees and under mm. rocks. And that's today. how I picture Gabe. Yeah, oh. yeah. Until they finally capture these never seen before creatures. Actually, though. A huge amount of new species discovery comes from samples that we already have tucked away in the dusty storerooms of museums across the world. Mm. So this new research saw Dr. Robert Raven, a researcher from the University Mm. of Southern Queensland, QS ranking. Oh, it'd be Uh, 128 or something like that. I nearly said 129. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Let's say 200. 410. Really? There you go. No, okay. In collaboration with the Queensland Museum. Mm. Um, What's their curious ranking? I, d- I don't <laughs> Queensland Museum. <laughs> um, but they've identified 48 new species of spiders. Right. So Dr. Raven has been working on describing new kinds of this particular kind of spider for over 30 years mm. and this research comes That's from almost that like three decades isn't it yeah that is almost like three decades <laughs> this research comes from that decades long effort the 48 new spider species mostly all belong to the same family of tiny nocturnal ground hunting spider i think the average size is like 10 millimeters these are little, little guys, guys. Mm. 
Previously, though, we thought there were only three species in that family. So now up to like 51. Mm. That's yeah, one that's hell good. of an expansion. Whoa. Yeah, okay. <laughs> The process for identifying these new spe- spider species mm. is basically going through and investigating all of these museum samples and trying to figure out whether two samples that look incredibly similar are actually different, closely related spiders. Mm. Now, the thing about having 48 new species of spiders that you have to name them, um, a bunch of them have been named after people that Dr. Raven says deserve a medal, in his opinion, mm. for their contributions to the arachnid world. Is one called Max? No, there no. isn't one called Max. <laughs> uh-huh. There is one named after the former host of the um, TV wildlife show, Totally Wild. Really? Right? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, okay. yeah, I loved Totally Wild mm. as a kid. And, yeah, Ranger Stacy, there is a spider right. uh, named after That's Ranger Stacy. sick. And I am hoping that if we up our game on spider coverage... <laughs> <laughs> We could be in the running. We could be we in the running. Be, yeah. We could get an arachnid named after our yeah. show. What about just no idea spider? That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. Just a spider that you have no idea about. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's something in the bathroom. Oh, it's a no idea. I know. <laughs> nice. Now, frankly, why do we care if there are more spiders than we thought? Well, Dr. Raven says his genuine passion is just figuring out how many spiders are out there. Like yes. just wanting to document them all and mm. finding out where and what they all are. He's previously estimated there are about 10,000 species, but now he reckons it's more like 15,000 across Australia. So that's Mm. pretty cool. But it's also about preservation, knowing what we have so that we know what we're losing when we destroy the habitats these spiders live in. And also, Dr. Raven says that some of these new spiders have venoms that can affect cane toads. So that's definitely of interest to Mm. people who are researching how we combat cane toad populations across the nation. So there we go. Heaps of brand new spiders. Brilliant. Damn. Because Gabe's away, he said, could you rebroadcast one of the stories he did on the Echidna back on the 4th of October 2023? And I said, yes, I will. So let's hear it. Take it away, Gabe. What you're about to hear is remarkable. That is the sound of one of Australia's most iconic animals. Except unlike the laughing kookaburras and the squawking cockatoos, unlike the bellowing koalas and the grunting roos, that animal you just heard wasn't known to vocalise sounds before. This sound is one of just a handful of recordings that were released a few days ago in the Journal of Zoology. It's some of the first definitive evidence that this animal does actually vocally communicate and the scientific paper that made the discovery is titled Sound Production in the Short-Beaked Echidna. Yep, echidnas make noises and we've only just discovered them, but to fully appreciate how remarkable that actually is and what it means for the evolution of how you and I talk, you're going to need to know three things about echidna sex. Which does mean we're about to get down and dirty with some scientifically dirty language about Australia's ant-eating spike balls. If you're not up for that, you've been warned. Fact number one of three, echidna reproduction is very intense. When an adult male echidna emerges from their winter hibernation, the race is on. They have a very small window to reproduce. They have just a few weeks to find and impress as many females as they can. Some of the Tasmanian echidnas don't even wait for the hibernation to be over. The males will find females who are still hibernating. They'll wake up, do the woohoo, and then females put the pregnancy on pause so they can go back to hibernating. Other echidnas in some locations will start what's called mating 
mating trains. Mating trains are where males, I think it can be up to 11 or so males in a row, all follow a female in a big line. The trains behind a female can last about two to six weeks, each individual male usually hanging on for just one of those weeks or so. And it can get very argy-bargy in those trains. Some other males will also guard females before and after copulation, all to say the window for males and female echidnas to come together and make more echidnas is short and can get very competitive, which means understanding everything that goes on in that window is very important to knowing why echidnas choose certain mates and how they interact with each other. What was interesting about the recent research into echidna sounds is all of their vocalizations happens during the breeding season, and that may mean these sounds they make play a role in helping them find and select mates. For fact number two of three, I'm going to level with you. The second fact doesn't really have anything to do with these sounds that echidnas are making during reproduction, but it is something that you just need to know at some point in your life. If you've heard this echidna sex fact already, then you know what I'm about to say. If you haven't, this is a moment in your life. You're about to join the people who walk around with this knowledge. The best gate-kept echidna fact there is. You ready? Male echidnas have four-pronged penises. Our beloved prickly Pokemon are housing a Hydra downstairs. The males will use two at a time when they get down to business, but they've got four. We aren't sure why, but they do. Again, doesn't really have anything to do with the sounds that researchers recently recorded echidnas making during their reproduction period. But I mean, listen to this male traipsing around and tell me this isn't the sound of an echidna who knows he's packing enough to have a couple spares. So echidnas have short competitive mating seasons and it seems to be the one and only time of year when they vocalize, communicating with each other using wheezes, huffs, grunts and cooing as they find mates. But why does that matter for how humans evolve to vocally communicate? Well, that brings us to number three, the third and last fact you need to know about echidna reproduction. Echidnas lay eggs. Alongside the platypus, they are the only mammals to lay eggs that are still alive today, a distinctly reptilian trait. Most mammals, the placental mammals like us, have evolved out of laying eggs like our reptilian dinosaur age ancestors did. The monotremes though, the group whose only living members are those echidnas and platypuses, still lay the egg. This discovery that echidnas vocalize to communicate means mammal communication probably emerged before a common ancestor that we share with echidnas. As in the timeline goes, early mammals learned to vocalize to communicate with each other, then the monotreme egg layers split up with the evolutionary line that led to us placental mammals. That means the first mammal vocalization that led to how I'm talking to you right now emerged probably somewhere between 100 and 200 million years ago. Mammal vocals from the occasional coos of an echidna to the complex conversations of humans are all at least 100 million years in the making. And I think that makes us both pretty special. You can read more about the sounds and sex lives of echidnas by searching up in the conversation, Wildcare and the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance Library. This is No Idea, your weekly dose of science on 4ZZZ Radio. And that is what we now know is the sound of a horned up echidna. That's the best. I think that's the best story we've ever I done on this show. Wait, that's an automatic highlight reel for the end Gabe, of this year. Gabe, yeah. Outdone yourself. Outdone yourself, Gabe. That was really good. You tune into 4 Triple Z, and the show is No Idea with me, Max, Izzy, and Jay. And following on from your story, Jay, mm. my mate from Darwin uh, wrote back, Richard, he wrote back, he said, uh, there's a group of spiders that imitate bird droppings to trap their prey. My favourite amongst them and po- possibly the best named creature ever. It's called Unconvincing Bird Dropping Spider. <laughs>
I love oh, those moments so in science sad. where it's yeah. just yeah. He's just a guy. Why that's you right. gotta do him like that? Haha, Pooper. Pooper spider. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No idea. Space news. Oh. Hey, the reason I'm playing this music, it's about staying alive on Mars. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. There's been an analysis or a thought experiment, really. <laughs> so, this professor writes, Imagine you are stranded on the red planet with three crew members, you have plenty of life support consumables, but only sufficient food to last one person until the rescue party arrives. What do you do? Is this a like which one of us dies first Correct. on Mars scenario? It is. Okay. Uh, yes. Professor <laughs> Seedhouse is his name, uh-huh. and he's from Daytona Beach's Aeronautical Aeronautical University, and he recently published this article. He continues one day. While brewing coffee for breakfast on Mars, you realise there are three pretty healthy chunks of protein-packed meat suits right <laughs> next to you. Oh. Per the author's train of thought, <laughs> the biggest of the Mars explorers should sacrifice themselves first because they both consume and provide the most food. Well, great day to be a little guy. <laughs> 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 Finally a win! <laughs> To this end, Professor Seedhouse goes on to provide a weirdly detailed look at how to cut up the volunteering (laughs) human. If you want to check out the full analysis, search on survival and sacrifice in Mars exploration. That's messed up. Isn't it? Which one of us would be first to go? I think it's Gabe. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Just on principle. Sorry. I I don't think he has a killer instinct in him and I think he would waste away. Like, I, I think... If we were all trapped on Mars, Gabe would probably panic himself and t- in d- into death. Like, we'd <laughs> have to kill him. Yeah. He'd, so he'd pick the short straw, wouldn't he? Yeah. Who's the first to go and why is it Gabe? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> One of Izzy's favourite shows, The X-Files. Nice. Now, the reason I'm playing that... Is because the Arrow or the Department of Defense's All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office or the Pentagon's UFO Office. <laughs> its director, Sean Kirkpatrick, is stepping down after less than 18 months in the top job <laughs> and will be re- replaced by his deputy, Tim Phillips. The, ben- the Pentagon will appoint a more permanent director soon. Kirkpatrick's exit from the office came just a week after a protracted media exchange in which he admitted that some claims made by whistleblower David Grush may have merit. Grush's allegations include the usual conspiracy claims about widespread alien cover-ups and the government's possession of reverse-engineered alien technology. Mm. Oh, hell yeah. Kirkpatrick had previously called these claims insulting but has now considered that things are not always what they seem. And I say only in America. Well, I say the truth is out there, Max. Yes. Ah. <laughs> the solar conjunction is happening right now, which means that NASA is unable to communicate with any of its assets on or orbiting Mars. This includes Mars Mini Chopper. A solar conjunction occurs when Earth and the red planet are at opposite sides of the sun. It happens roughly every two years, and this year... It will finish on the 25th of November. Unfortunately, this means no Ingenuity flight reports for the next couple of weeks. Boo! So the last number was 66. We're hoping for 69. (laughs) ISS, 
A resupply mission has arrived at the International Space Station. Apart from all the science experiments and usual supplies, the astronauts will be receiving some festive treats, such as chocolate, pumpkin spice cappuccino, rice cakes, turkey, duck, quail, seafood, cranberry sauce, pizza kits, hummus, salsa, and olives. So I say festive greetings, ISS. There we go. What do you mean? That's the new Christmas menu just dropped. <laughs> Rice crackers and <laughs> whatever else. <laughs> and that is it for the space news of this week. Hell yeah. You tune into 4 Z, and the show has no idea, but not for much longer. Sign us out. Sign us out? All right. Well, thank you for listening in to No Idea, your science show on a Wednesday morning. Thank you, guys, Max and Izzy, for your stories well, this week. Thank we- you, Jay. Thank you. <laughs> 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 You're welcome, Izzy. <laughs> um, we had some great weird science. We talked about uh, motor science. We talked about marine science. We talked about space news. And you can hear it all uh, by tuning in on the website if you missed any of it or on our podcast, No Idea, with a K. And tune in next week to hear more of it. I think no idea next week. We'll just be just talking about the Las Vegas GP for the whole I think two we hours, just need a whole I'll be talking segment. about Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, yeah, true. For real. Yeah, okay. Catch. But that won't, has, that won't drop until next Friday. So you won't be able to be able to talk about well, it. <laughs> no, what do you mean? Jay's going to time travel and yeah. bring us oh, news back. True. Come on. Okay, you got me Come there. Yeah, I wasn't thinking ahead. Hey, well, hey. all that and more next week. Okay. So, we'll speak to you next week. See ya. I'm a goddamn marvel of modern science. Science.